Another Way to Play, episode 142. I want to have a better life. I have this vision for myself and my family or my spouse or my girlfriend or whatever unit you're looking at. This is Dr. Axel Meyerhofer, founder of Ideal Wealth Grower. And if you want to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struesner. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and today I am joined by Dr. Alex Muirhofer, who is the founder, CEO, you name it, he's got that title of the Ideal Wealth Grower, and he's going to talk to us about that today. If you have no idea what that's about, but you're someone who is interested in basically personal finance, having passive income through real estate, but don't want the whole guru vibe of the uh, real estate industry, this is the episode for you. Axel is absolutely someone who distills down both the personal psychology, but the practical, tactical side of wealth building through real estate in a really fundamental way. Uh, We actually get into a couple of different things, specifically, of course, around mindset, because that's what we talk about on this show most often. And he talks about the secret. If you ever have read the book and the law of the attraction, well, he breaks down that that's only one of six laws uh, that you need to be aware of when it comes to going for your goals. So we break that down towards the later part of the interview. So you want to listen up for that. But also earlier, he talks about uh, the grower method, uh, which starts out with goals and your reality and goes into results and how it made you feel and such. So we broke that down too. And I found that to be super interesting. So listen up for the grower method. And if you get value out of this episode, head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you are on and uh, leave us a rating and review because it really helps grow the show and get this out to a few more people. So without any further ado, let's just get into it with my guest today, Dr. Axel Mirhofer. Axel, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's an honor to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Hans. Definitely. Well, let's just get into it. You've got a lot of things on your resume here. So so tell us right off the bat, kind of what's got your attention right now? What are you focusing on today? Well, right now with the year coming to an end, uh, we spent pretty much most of the last quarter creating and, and enhancing and really making our mindset manual available to our community. And with the year end, I'm actually in the process of recording new videos that go into kind of like goal setting and planning for the new year, but also planning for this point in the future that I call economic independence. And how do you actually go through the process so that you have a rhythm that you can get yourself into on a quarterly basis to ultimately reach that point? What is the mindset manual? Well, the mindset manual is on the one hand, It's basically a couple of different parts. It has three parts. The first part talks about and gives activities and exercises 
that you can go through to get from what I call the victim mindset to the creator mindset. Because a lot of people, especially when we're talking about residential real estate investing, and I know you're in, into real estate stuff as well, um, on the investing side, not so much when somebody looks for their own house or, or their own um, property of some kind, but when it comes to investing, there is this kind of myth that only very rich people or people who are already very accomplished somehow have the opportunity to do it and other people couldn't, right? And that's kind of like an attitude and a mindset that goes to victimhood, right? I can't do it. I don't have enough money and all these things with, that start with I can't and it doesn't and it, all the negatives. A creator mindset is looking at how can I actually accomplish what I'm uh, aiming for, what my goal is, or I call it the big, hairy, audacious goal that you set somewhere in the future, and then looking at how do I get there, and if your mindset is optimistic and positive, the likelihood of getting there is much, much better. So that's part one. Then the second part is a relatively short part in the middle that talks about if you accept coaching and mentoring which is shortening the time that it would take you to learn most or all of the things that you need to somewhat safely invest, right? It's one thing to say, I want to invest and I want to educate myself. And sure, you can do listen to podcasts that you and I are on. You can read books. You can do all kinds of research. You might even be brave and do a few investments knowing that they may not necessarily be the greatest, just more like an apprenticeship in investing, so to speak. Or alternatively, you can go into a system with a coach and mentor, which is something that we offer. And I'm applying a system called Grower that comes from a guy named John Whitmore and is very common in business. And I don't know if you want me to explain real quick what Grower stands for, but it's an abbreviation for the cycle that we go through. Yeah, please. I would, would love to hear, hear more about that. Okay, so grower starts out, the G stands for goal. So what is the goal that you're setting yourself? And you have to imagine, so we were to engage, like you and I were to engage in a coaching and mentoring uh, relationship, and we have our first session. So first I would say, Hans, what's the goal that you like to accomplish? Then we would say, okay, what is your current reality? You know, what are all the things that influence you either advancing on your goal or holding your back and at getting towards your goal? Now that, that after we establish that, we would look at what are opportunities that you can either take advantage of right away or in the short, short term if we create the right circumstances and what are some of the obstacles and hurdles that are in your way. So that's for the O, it's kind of like two O's, but I combined it into one. So obstacles and opportunities. And then you get to the W and the W stay, stands for what actions will you take? Because it's one thing to talk about this, but the, you have to commit to, okay, for example, I'm going to find an, an app for my mobile device or I'm pulling out a spreadsheet to just find out what is my personal balance sheet, what comes in and what goes out. That's the first action. And that's the first session that we have in a very, very tight nutshell. And then we would say, okay, Hans, when do we meet again? Let's say two weeks from now. Now, when we meet the second time, the... Um, for the word grower. So now we're starting with the E in grower. And that would ask, what was your experience when you were executing your action? How hard was it to find an app? Or did you find one in the first place? Did you use the spreadsheet or did you just write it down on a piece of paper? Did you have a hard time gathering everything that uh, goes out, which is typically for people a little easier? 
Or did, were you surprised by the things that you discover that come in, maybe above and beyond just your income? And then the R for the word grower, so the second R stands for what, what are the results? Now, if a personal balance sheet is your first action, the result would be how much do you hopefully have left over at the end of the month? But also, does this result that we now have established in some way influence your goal? And how does that apply? Let's say your goal would be you would define economic independence as I want to make $3,000 a month passive income. And if my properties right now, if I were to purchase properties, they pay me $300 a month passive income per property after everything else is paid, then you know you need 10 of those, right? So if you find out to get these properties, you need to make somewhere of a down payment anywhere, let's say around $20,000, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. If you do your personal balance sheet and you see, okay, you can put $1,500 away, then you know in 15 months, you will have enough money to buy your first property. You may have thought because you didn't have the personal balance sheet that it takes you years before you could buy something. Right, so naturally then the point in time in the future that was your original goal, my goal is I don't want to exchange time for money anymore. And to be able to do this, I need 3000 bucks and I think I can get there in 12 years. Well, now you know, if you know that it takes you a year and a half to get to the first property, it might take longer than 12 years. Or the opposite could be the case. You find way more money available if you really scrape and really be frugal. And instead of it taking 15 months, it only takes nine months. And your overall goal may go from 12 or 15 years to 10 years. Plus, so if you take it, that cash flow and you reinvest it onto your savings, it can yeah, even exactly. hockey stick further. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but so basically, when you get to what was my experience after I took action and what are the results and how do these results impact the goals? And that is uh, that is important because each session you want to take a look, okay, has my goal changed? If not, has my current reality changed? And on and on and on. And so every two weeks, you would basically go through this and work your way more and more from initially finding out how much money do you actually have and can potentially put aside to how do I find the property and all these other steps that come in the process. So you're basically shortening overall the time period that it takes you to really get in a safe and, and deliberate way to your first investment. So grower, it's the goal, like what's the goal, the reality, where are you today right now? Um, o is the opportunity and obstacle, double O, but maybe they're stacked on each other, double O. W, what's the W again? It stands for what actions will you take? That's right. What actions will you take? What are you actually going to go do? Create the balance sheet, shop for property, save money, that sort of stuff in this, in this example. And then next section, E and R. And the E was, remind me again what the E is. The E is the experience you had while you actually took the action. And the R stands for the results that came out of the experience and out of the action. And then also does it influence the, the goal so that it's a cycle that keeps going round and round and round. Yeah. Right. And, and how much of this coaching and just sort of mindset training do you have is is based on the person and their ability to believe that they can even do something like this like buy a property that's an investment for example um, and how much of it is the actual like tactics 
and practicality of saving money and investing and that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say it depends really mainly on where you are in your personal development. Some people have done investing before, have developed somewhat of an affinity to money and what money can do and what is you know, a return on investment and what is income and so forth and so forth. And there's a long, long list of, of uh, terms. One thing that we actually do on our YouTube channel is I'm doing every Wednesday a short five, six, seven minute video about terminology because a lot of people really struggle with, you know, what is after repair value, what is cash flow, what is this and what is that. And so we started out uh, sometime this year to add those just as a service for people to have a chance. But that's basically the one end of the spectrum. Somebody who has basically an understanding of how to use money and has discovered that residential real estate investing is a good thing and then comes to us and wants to shorten the time frame. And then the other end of that same spectrum is somebody who says, I want to have a better life. I have this vision for myself and my family or my spouse or my girlfriend or whatever unit you're looking at, but I have no idea. I don't know how to get there. And so I'm looking for somebody who kind of helps me to get on the track. I'm admitting everything I hear about money and finance and especially mathematics that seem to be involved in statistics and all this stuff is like, like totally, un I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm lost in it. But I know if I don't do something, I will be in this rat race. And oftentimes the reference is, I have seen my parents and my grandparents and, and my uncles and nieces and everybody, and they're all doing the same thing. They're having a job and they, a lot of them have worked for 30, 40, 45 years. And they're really, really worried now that because of recessions and depressions and all the stuff that is going on, that they may have to work forever. I don't want that for my life but I don't know how to get out of it. Can you help me? Right. So that's, you know, where we really have to initially sit down and say, okay, let's do some fundamental education about money. Let's do some fundamentals of awareness of where comes, does money come in? Where does money go out? Is it really well spent? Are you disciplined? These really fundamental things, which is also why the first part of the mindset manual is more to say, how do I get myself in a creative mindset or creator mindset rather than looking at everything like a bird? Then these sessions, like we mentioned, uh, through the grower system to actually really in a cyclical way get you on the right track for wherever you start. But there is a pro progression, basically. And then the third part of the manual is uh, to say, okay, a lot of people have at some point or another heard about the law of attraction and take this as, you know, I, I put good intentions and good ideas out in the universe together with questions that I need answers for. And then the law of attraction will attract the right information, the right people, the right relationships, all of that. And they're oftentimes getting frustrated because it didn't really work that way. So I felt it is important and I, I really appreciate that Chris Crone allowed me to, to do this because he spent a lot of time and wrote a book about it and so forth. And I digested this down because the reason it doesn't work is because there are five other laws together with the law of attraction that all need to be applied together. And then it can work. If you only look at the law of attraction, you only put this kind of relatively simplistic intention out, oftentimes it doesn't work. So, I mean, I can rattle them down real quick. There's the law of purpose, this number two. Then there's a law of choice and accountability, the law of alignment, the law of faith, and the law of gestation. 
And those six together make basically the first one that we all know about and heard about and may have seen the movie and stuff like that work. Yeah, the law of attraction is like if you think it, it'll it'll manifest eventually. You hold it in your mind and you put a dream board together and all that sort of thing, right? Right, and, and that is definitely a really important first step. Big time. But the other five are equally important. And if you don't do them, it's basically to say, okay, I want to make a, a meal. I want to cook a meal, a really nice one. And the law of attraction says, I go out and get all the ingredients. And now they're sitting on the counter and you're sitting there and waiting for the dish to appear. And it's not going to happen that way, right? Like, so you have to actually use the different ingredients in certain ways. And that's why these other five steps are important. Otherwise, you're going to sit there with a pile of stuff in front of you and never have something to eat, you know. On, onions and, and cans of things. Are just sit yeah, there, yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Can you go through that that the other five laws really quickly? Because I, I want the, the audience to be able to hear that. And frankly, I want to hear it again for myself. Yeah. So the, the law of purpose is basically saying after you have identified from the law of attraction, what is your intention? What are you actually aiming for? The question in the law of purpose that you want to answer is why? Why is this something that you actually want to do? And why is this a worthwhile vision for yourself? So in the mentoring that I do, I actually separate what I call economic independence and financial independence. And the difference is economic independence allows you to have enough money so you no longer have to trade time for money. Which means if, and I have made videos about this, if you say, I, I really love the arts, play music, paint, sculpt, whatever, most of those things, unless you're getting famous somehow, don't pay much. So this might be your really heartfelt passion, but you can only do it when you know that all the other things are covered. So your purpose might be, I have this passion to paint my best painting when I actually have the opportunity to focus on that. That's the why. This is just one example out of thousands that you could have, and everybody's is different. But that's the law of purpose. Why do you want to have it? Then the choice and accountability is... Um, you have to determine what are the steps that you're actually willing to take for working steadily towards that original goal that you put out, that to reaching that vision. You could also, in a sense, call it the law of discipline. In a way, a little bit has a little bit to do with gardening, right? If you say, okay, all I do is I prepare the ground and then I throw seeds in. And then I sit there for three or four days and nothing happens and I give up. If you really want to ultimately harvest something from what you sow, then you have to have the patience and the discipline to water it, take the weeds out, pamper it, fertilize it and so forth. And ultimately in the end, so this is kind of what I'm getting at, right? Like if you say, I know what I want, I know why I want it. Now I need to look at the steps that I need to take individually to get ultimately to the, to the goal. Now, the next one is called the law of alignment. And what you do there is that you frequently need to check, and this is what we mentioned earlier with the experience and the results on a more cyclical basis. But in the big picture, you want to look is, are your actions, your beliefs, and what you do aligned with where you want to go? Because I think, and, and this is a realization as you get older, I think most of us would be able to say, if I look back, let's say five years, 
longer makes it even more dramatic, but even five years, you would probably say, if I go back to my own self five years ago and ask myself, what were my dreams, my visions, and what I would really think is important to me? And compare that with right now, based on five more years of experience, it has probably changed. So what you want to do as this third part of the making the law of attraction work is to frequently check, is what I'm doing still aligned with the goal? And if you are out of alignment or if you have gotten a little bit off track, how do you get yourself back on track? So the, the goal is reconfirmed and you're, you're basically realigning with the universe because if you say, I want to attract the necessary things to be successful and you're out of alignment, it's not going to happen. It's basically if you want to get all these things in harmony and somehow your instrument is out of tune, it doesn't sound good, it doesn't work good, and it doesn't attract the right things, right? So that's the alignment part. Then the faith is basically not the religious faith. It's basically the, the faith in doing something that you, for yourself, have determined to be worthwhile, even if there is a million naysayers. I use the example of Elon Musk, right? The example of Elon Musk is in both ways. When he said... We need to be more environmentally friendly, so therefore we cannot have transportation anymore that pollutes our environment. We're basically poo-pooing our own house. So let's build cars that are fully electric. Everybody, I mean, anybody who's been around for the last 10 years would have to admit everybody said the guy is nuts. Never going to happen, and the, the big automakers are going to crush him like a little buck. Well, he is now the most valuable company in the in the world, at least in the automotive industry. And like the third, um, I, I hesitate to say richest, by shareholder value or by share value, most valuable person in that sense. Um, the same thing is, by the way, true with SpaceX, where he said, okay, how much sense does it make that we get on a plane, fly to London from San Francisco, where you are, Hans, and then throw the plane away? That's what we've been doing since we went to the moon. Every single time a rocket takes off, then we throw the rocket away. Even if it's just a few kilograms of satellite that's being put in orbit. So he said, that is ludicrous. That it, we will never get any way further than the moon if we keep throwing the plane away. So we need to build something that is reusable. And everybody said it's never going to happen until we saw the pictures of these rockets actually coming back down to Earth and land. And everybody was like, holy moly, how, how the hell, right? And now we're talking about same thing, still the same guy, by the way, who said, I don't think it's fair that certain people just because of their economic environment cannot have internet. And if you ask yourself, I ask myself, anybody in your audience asks themselves, how would your life be if you had no internet right now? It would make a huge difference. Well, so he started Starlink and people said, are you nuts? How much time and, and effort is it going to take? And he said, well, a minimum of 4,200 satellites in low Earth orbit and we have high-speed internets around the globe. People had said, are you aware that there are only 600 satellites in the whole lifetime of space the, right now? He said, yeah, I'm aware and we need 4,200. Now, the cool thing is when you look at, you know, Tesla is a reality the Starship is kind of starting to become a reality. And Starlink, you can sign up right now. And by the end of next year, anybody on any spot in the globe can have Starlink internet access. Right? So 
this is a little bit of an extended discussion discussion about the law of faith. If you listen to the people who say, Hans, it's never going to happen. Hans, you're full of it. Hans, what are you talking about? And nobody is going to support you. To have the faith in your beliefs. And I can tell you from my own story, if I had and have, I have told initially, because I thought they would help me, some of my friends and family members that I wanted to build a residential real estate portfolio for passive income so I don't have to exchange time for money anymore. Most people called me idiots or you're full of it, it's never gonna happen, who do you think you are? I literally, after the first few properties, stopped telling them. And I'm at a point now that only a very tiny circle of people in, in my immediate personal network really know about it because either they wouldn't believe it or they think it's somehow fishy or stuff like that. So that's part of why I made it a mission to say, I want to educate people because I'm a normal guy. Yes, I may have had an unusual bio if you look at all the steps that I went through through my life. But that had nothing to do with building this residential real estate portfolio and anybody else can do it with help. And so then the last part gestation is basically patience. It's gestation and patience, right? Like I said earlier, if somebody comes to me and says, okay, I heard you, you help people with this residential real estate portfolio and passive income and I don't need to work anymore. How long is that gonna take? And I tell people, depending on where you start, anywhere between eight to 12 years. And I believe in our time and age that we're in right now, we are in this kind of um, impatient time, right? We want uh, instant gratification. So telling somebody something takes eight years is, I always say, if you were Chinese national, it's probably easier to get that across than anybody here in the US or in Europe, because we want everything right away, right? But if you say, I want to actually ultimately be able to measure success and ask myself, did I realize my vision? Then patience and gestation is necessary. On the other hand, and I like to put it that way, if you are 30 years old right now, you went to college, you started into a job, you have a medium to maybe a bit, bit above average income. And I were to say to you, the time that you have to work until you can do whatever you want without worry about money is by the time you're 42. That puts it in a totally different perspective because everybody else kind of right now is freaking out when they're getting into their 50s, 60s, mid 60s or early 70s and still don't know how to do it. And you could be as a 30 year old right now sitting pretty at 42 or maybe even sooner if you're frugal. And no, I never have to work in my life again. And I think that's a really a compelling vision to have rather than saying how long is 12 years. That's hard to imagine. I couldn't say where I am in 12 years, to be honest. But what I can say is when I take a perspective of what is normal, 45, 40, 45 years of work life versus 12 from today, I think that is very compelling and, and should motivate people to try it. It's interesting, this the gestation component of what you just were talking about the time is I think I've talked about this. I don't know how many times on this show, but on, on others and definitely this show and just with friends is, you know, I, I come from an athletic background and it's, it's, I'm always struck by the marathon uh, specifically because the, those guys are running, you know, six minute or sub six minute mile pace for 24 or whatever miles. And if in the record in the marathons, just under two hours and last year was broken 
under two hours, right? But if you really take a step and that's blazing fast, you know, three hour marathon for anybody is really fast still. And if you look at that, what that actually means, it's three hours of fast running, two hours of really fast running. It's a long time. And so the point is, right, is the the point is there's a minimum amount of time things take. And anyone who's kind of competed in a, in a racing sport, you know, where there's a clock involved or even just a game sport, there's a minimum amount of time you play for 60 minutes, 45, whatever it is. And, and, and no one seems to complain about that, but then you start to think it takes you, you know, eight years to build up a portfolio and everyone loses their mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally laughed when I looked at your website and you said, I tried for 10 years to take the perfect stroke. Right. I mean, that that is a very rare perspective, even though it's probably in hindsight. Right. And it's always a little easier when we say, OK, how long did it take you to complete your education from kindergarten to your college degree? Right. That's about a similar amount of time. And in hindsight, we realize, oh, yeah, you're right. This is a significant amount of time. But while we're in it, we don't really experience it that way. Right. And I'm sure when you were rowing and you were in a race or in, in an, even in, in training, you probably didn't ask yourself constantly, was that the perfect one? Was this the perfect one? Was that the perfect one? Right. So it's a more hi a hindsight thing. I think the beauty in, in investing is that you can define by yourself what you want the end result to be. And then it's a matter of going through the right steps, hopefully with help, to get there. But the fundamental system is based on math. And there's this saying, I am, I'm not sure if that is from Prussia or Austria or Germany or some of those places our ancestors come from, where they said numbers don't lie. They just don't lie. I mean, a certain amount of interest, a certain amount of cash flow, a certain amount of financing and all these other components, it's literally just putting math and numbers in a certain relationship to each other and then apply what applies to you to that, right? And if your number is 3,000 or 4,000, or if you live where I live, it might be 7,000, but it's a number that you can work towards accomplishing, and then you're done, and then you can play for the rest of your life. Yeah, you know, it's, to that point, there's a quote that I heard or read in a book, um, Psychology of Money recently, I just read that book, and it, and one of the chapters was basically, uh, know what game you're playing. And to your point, like, what's your number? What's the number you're going for? What's the lifestyle you want to have? Whatever that is. And like, focus on that being the goal, as opposed to looking on Instagram or your friends or wherever and comparing yourself to people who are effectively playing a completely different game than you. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is super important. And, and I think the hard part about that is not so much in the beginning when you're all excited. The hard part is when other people want to talk you out of it or when you don't necessarily see the results. That's what I meant earlier with alignment, right? Like if, if you check and you find out you're no longer in alignment because you let too many others, whatever impacts, get you out of, out of uh, focus, then it's time to make sure that you get back into focus and hopefully make up the time that you potentially lost. Yeah. And I would also say putting that into perspective relative to like time you lost and getting it back, like what did you spend that time on? Because 
sometimes you're just goofing around and people aren't focused and they're just lollyganging, you know, they're, they're literally wasting time towards their goals. But then there's other times when there are pursuits that take you in other directions and you have to think of, you know, maybe there was a non-monetary gain out of that, a life experience that you got that is going to serve you for the rest of your life in some capacity. So that goes back to like the game that you're playing. You know, there are times when you have to be frugal and financially focused, but you know, there are, to your point about the arts earlier, like if you were pursuing the arts for a couple of years, yeah, that probably didn't get you anywhere closer to a real estate portfolio, but maybe it got you something else. And if it did, then how can you, try and leverage some of that into wherever it is you're going next. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, and that's, I, I do an exercise oftentimes with, with people when we start out with, with our mentoring process, where we basically take the 168 hours that you and I and everybody else has per week and try to really identify what are we doing with it. It's kind of, in a sense, a similar approach like the personal balance sheet, but more in how do you spend your time? And it's not the focus to say, let's identify all the things that you are doing wrong, but rather to say, let's identify all the opportunities you have to have a full and fulfilling and enjoyable life, but with limits, right? Where you say, I cannot enjoy, and you as an athlete know this, you cannot enjoy life or be a good performer if you don't get enough sleep. Right. So that is uh, one of those numbers that you need to identify of what is enough for you and your bodies. Everybody is a little bit different, but it's probably between seven and eight hours somewhere, maybe eight and a half. Right. So you take that and then you keep going through those 168 hours of the week. And that doesn't mean you have to deny yourself the arts, for example. If you love to play any kind of instrument, it doesn't mean while you're on this journey to economic independence, you're no longer allowed to play the instrument. The thing that I find is when we make a plan to accomplish our vision and we plan the times for joy, for vacation, for sleeping, for eating, for accumulating, for research, for work, and many, many other things, most people who actually ever do this, at least in my practice, I found are surprised that there's actually, even when they take everything they can come up with and put a reasonable number to it, there's still time left at the end. So we rarely ever, I, I can maybe point to one or two cases where we went through the exercise and literally had more things we wanted to do and considered as reasonable amount of time and the 168 hours were up. But most people never go through the exercise and therefore have no idea. And sometimes it's also very revealing, right? When you say, okay, so honestly, how long every day are you sitting in front of the TV or in front of the computer or in front of Instagram or in front of Facebook or on and on and on and on? How many of those activities actually get you closer to your goal or not? And this goes back to where we started with victimhood and, and, and creativeness, right? If the answer to why are you spending two hours a day on Facebook is because I believe I need to be connected to all these people and everybody is on Facebook. To me as a mentor, where you can't just always hug people and, and be loving with them every once in a while, you have to say, is that really a good enough reason? And especially in light of the fact that it makes it harder for you to accomplish your ultimate goal. And when you put it in that perspective, then people sometimes begin contemplating, okay, maybe I want to change something. And that's, I believe, the biggest thing in this context of law of attraction is you need to be willing to acknowledge that massive change is necessary 
if you want a different result. Simply put, I love it. Before we get to the the last section of the show here, I guess this kind of goes back to what you were just talking about, but in your mentorship experience, how much of a kick in the butt you need to give people versus, you know, how much it, it's self-starting. And, and I say that because even the self-starters sometimes feel lazy or feel like they don't, they don't have it together. They're not disciplined enough. And then everyone else who sees their self-starting friends failing or or not starting for that matter, like lose all hope. Right. And so people have various levels of, of engagement with sort of that, that side of the equation of like taking action, believing in yourself, following through that sort of thing. So how do you as sort of a, a someone who helps these people all the time, balance that out for you and for your students? Yeah, I find the mentoring experience in general falls into kind of like three phases. The first phase is kind of on the one hand, encouragement and establishment, right? You establish what is the current reality that we typically can't change as far as how did we got here, but we can change where we go from here. So establish that current reality and then encourage the change right? in, in a positive language, open-ended questions, discussing opportunities, small steps at a time, that part. Then there is when people have basically latched on, so they have created an accumulation account, they pay themselves first with minimum 10% of everything that comes in, those kind of things. So now this is established. Then it goes in what I call the guidance phase, where you basically keep checking, okay, are we still aligned? Can we do a little more? Are we doing the right thing? Are there new opportunities? Is there stuff more that you need to learn that you weren't ready for, but now you are as you're moving along? So that's kind of like the guidance phase. And you might be surprised to hear the third phase is basically almost like, I would almost say it's like holding back, or I call it the measurement phase. Because one thing in this, since you said you read a book about psychology, we can get ourselves excited when we see that something works. We can be the most doubtful people in the beginning, but we get convinced either by being pushed or because we're willing to take a risk to at least try. And then like the accumulation account is, is like one of those examples, right? I always say, pay yourself 10% for, uh, of anything that comes in first and put anything else that you can into the accumulation account. And your goal is every 15 to $20,000 bucket that you or, or number that you have, we look for a property and buy it to add it to your portfolio. Well, I have had cases where after this guidance phase and people really got in the rhythm and everything, they started to become what I would call uber frugal, right? They, they try to plan even another gig and another source of income and, and another thing and no more sleep and no more play and no more nothing, only making more money into my accumulation account. And as a good mentor, you have to basically then take the reins in a way, like as if you had a horse that you first needed to kick in the butt to get going, then it went around the track a few times to pick up speed. And then it gets so excited that you have to pull the reins back a little bit because it would run its heart out. Right. And, and so then in that phase, and ultimately you reach a point where, and I call that the pivot point where you really have to start looking, okay, are our goals financially separating a little bit from um, what they were originally to forming economic independence to financial independence? Because as you're accelerating, there is a point where you can say, okay, can I allow myself to do more than just covering my costs? 
And that is a decision that somebody has to make, right? It, for example, means in, in, re in real estate investing, when you have five properties, it would no longer make sense to put 15% aside for vacancy, uh, capex and maintenance, right? Because if you, you ultimately get to a number where you say, okay, with five properties and I'm doing this diligently every year, so now I have $30,000 sitting in a, in a reserve account. Well, there is no way that five uh, roofs need to be replaced four water heaters need to be replaced, all kinds of these more expensive things happening all at once. So putting 15% aside for every property forever makes no sense. But it also means now if you don't put those 15% aside anymore, your accumulation account accelerates in as far as accumulating money. So that means the time from buying a property to the next one gets shorter and shorter. I have people who buy a property every six months now mean what they put aside and what comes in in cash flow plus not having to put the reserves anymore. So that's when you have to basically pull the reins a little bit back because people can hyper excited. <laughs> then, you know, so those are the three phases. You first in this encouragement phase, then you're in the guidance phase, at least in my experience. And then you are in this kind of measured um, impact or input phase to not overdo it. Yeah. This is awesome. Axel, thank you so much for everything you just shared. I want to respect the rest of your day. So I'm going to transition us to the last section of the show, which is the focus five, which I ask the same five questions to every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. First question. What book have you gifted most often? Uh, it's called The Wealthy Gardener from John Soforic. And I believe John really wrote a seminal book for people who want to realize what they can do with their life. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Um, well, it's kind of two. I mean, purely on curiosity, I would love to meet Einstein. <laughs> But if it's more a realistic thing in, in, my, in my zone, so to speak, I would probably love to spend some significant time with Robert Kiyosaki. Great answers. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Um, one thing that I believe people disagree with me on is that anybody can ultimately get to economic independence. I really believe that. And it might start with you have to learn something completely new that makes you enough money to get started. But I don't think, and it has nothing to do with race or location or heritage or education or anything like that. It's so fundamental that I believe anybody can learn it and do it. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Well, typically I get up, um, turn the coffee machine on, um, and then get into my office and people might say this is not a very good routine, but I typically then take about five to 10 minutes for the gratitude journal. And I use one, it's called the five minute journal that has basically um, a page, uh, two pages per day on the one page you write basically where you are right now and what you're great, grateful for, but also what you're planning to do. And then the other page for the same day is after like in dinner time or when you go to bed to write down how was the day, what did I actually accomplish of the things and what am I grateful for in hindsight, so to speak. Um, so I do that for the first five to 10 minutes and then typically I get um, into the systems. The, I have in the office all kinds of computer systems, start looking into email. 
I'm serving gladly a lot of clients. It's not just the ideal wealth grower um, for what we discussed, but I also have a consulting company. And so I like this quiet time in the morning. I'm typically the only one up in the house around seven o'clock or something like that. And do that because around nine, all kinds of calls start and the opportunity to really focus is gone. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Axel, this has been great. What is the best place that we can connect with you online? Well, one thing I want to say is um, if people would like to get the mindset manual, they can go to idealwealthgrower.com forward slash free. And there is a little thing where it asks for a coupon code. So if they put the word Hans in coupon code, they get the manual free. And then I encourage everybody to go to our YouTube channel and follow along the manual and the exercise with the videos that we provide there. Uh, other than that, you can all go to Ideal Wealth Grower. On any, you know, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, our website, and have opportunities to connect that way. That is great. We're going to link up to all of that down in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it the first time, show notes is the place for all of that stuff. But we've got it linked up with the coupon code and the links directly so you can get all the goodies over there. Um, Axel, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all the stuff you shared, man, this is, this was great. I, I think you and I are really well aligned and gosh, I couldn't tell you how many things I'm just, no one could see me, but I'm sitting here nodding as you were talking. <laughs> so I really appreciate being on, on with a like-minded person like yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Hans, for having me. It was really great. And I love these conversational kind of interviews because I think that gives us an opportunity to really touch on a few things that really get enough light, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for being here and we will uh, catch you guys next time. And that's a wrap for today. If you want to go connect with uh, Dr. Axel and uh, get the free offer that he discussed at the end of the episode down in the show notes is the place to do that. I've got all of his social as well as all those links, uh, down right there in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out. And if you got value out of today, head over to whatever podcast player you're on, leave us a rating and review because it really helps us grow and continue to get out in front of a few more people who need to hear this message. And of course, share it with somebody who uh, you think could benefit from it. So thanks in advance for all of that. Really appreciate it. We're going to sign it off for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.